What is up, family? I'm Dr. Dale, the author of How to Raise a Doctor, Wisdom from Parents Who Did It, and the author of Pre-Med Mondays. Both books are available on Amazon.com, so make sure you grab your copies there. And of course, you listen to the Black Men and White Coats podcast, the place where black male clinicians have the platform to share their stories with individuals like you. Super excited about today's podcast guest. He's got a lot of um a lot of gems and things to take out of this episode. There's one thing in particular I really like, which I'll tell you guys here in a second. But before I do, just wanted to say, you know, prayers are up to the victims and families of the mass shooting in Odessa, Texas. Again, um, I'm not going to get into politics. It's actually interesting. This podcast that we're about to listen to is recorded um, maybe over a month or two ago now. And the, the day this podcast was recorded was actually the day, um, the day or the day after the El Paso mass shooting. And then now there's another mass shooting the day that I'm actually releasing this podcast. So it's a sad thing, these shootings. I'm not going to get political because um, that's not what this podcast is about. But all I can say is it's a sad shooting and, and prayers are going up for the families, for the victims. And and man, I, it, this stuff just has to stop. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. You can't go outside without worrying about if somebody's going to do something stupid, man. But um, anyways, prayers up, prayers up, prayers up. So we're about to get into a great season in life. I told you guys last week that we got a lot of stuff coming out. Just want to remind you guys. So I've got a lot of books coming out. So be on the lookout. We'll start announcing those when they come out. These are books that are really going to impact people. I've got some really cool messages, actually. And I do. I, I appreciate you guys' feedback as I'm getting this. So when I'm recording this, literally just got a message right now from somebody on Instagram. Um, Tony KIP2 is the Instagram name. And, you know, send me a really long message. It's a wonderful message. First of all, thank you for serving. Um, he's a veteran, so thank you for your service. I'm actually recording this on labor day so today's labor day so you know thinking about those of you who serve in various ways so thank you and you know one of the things that he says is how he's watched the videos we made you know so many times i won't tell you how many times but he's watched them a lot of times and you know things like that are are encouraging for me because it lets me know that the work we do isn't in vain and just lets me know that you guys are listening and and you're hearing and we're inspiring you guys so thank you for letting me know that's a blessing to me to know that you guys are actually encouraged by the work we're doing and the work is not being done in vain. So thank you, Tony. Thank you to all the, I, we get a lot of messages. So thank you to everybody who sends in messages and everybody who comments on our posts and everybody who likes and everybody who shares. Thank you to all of you guys. Tony just pops in mind because literally as I'm recording this, a message just came through from Tony. So thank you so very much. But we got a whole lot of stuff that's about to come out and be released and a whole lot of things that we pray is going to bless a lot of you guys, inspire you guys and give you hope to go out and take on the world and achieve and do what you're supposed to do in life, you know, to live to your fullest potential. The make sure you guys on Mondays now I'm putting out the I'm putting out the Maximizing Monday podcast. So what I do is I film these Maximizing Mondays, something I just started last week, but I film these Maximizing Mondays and I put them on Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever the social media platforms. But I'm also just taking the audio and putting it on this podcast as well. So make sure you listen to that because you know, I'm pouring my heart into those things. I'm giving you guys, I'm telling you like it is, there's going to be no sugarcoating on these Maximize Mondays. This is for big boys and girls only. So you got to be willing to hear this, willing to take on challenges because there's no sugarcoating. I'm telling you like it is, you want to be great. Here's how to be great. All right. So that's what these Maximizing Mondays are about. This week's episode was on beast mode. Go beast mode. Okay. So make sure you take a second, listen to go in beast mode and let's get it. Let's make it happen. Okay. So this week I've got Dr. Ike Oyerika. Um, Great stuff coming in front of you guys. Great stuff coming in front of you on this podcast here. I'm not going to, again, as always, I don't want to ruin it, but I am going to say one thing that really, really, really stuck with me that he said, which you hear people say something like this in different ways, but I never heard it, heard it said quite like this. 
and he is a pediatric orthopedic surgeon. And one of the things he says is he said he could never get angry at coming into the hospital to help a child. So you guys know medicine is a stressful thing. And sometimes we're on call. We get called in the middle of the night to come to the hospital. But what he said is he could never. He said he could never get angry coming into the hospital to help a child. And when I heard him say that, it just made me think, what is it in life that you can never get angry about? What do you like so much in life that you can never get angry about? You know, what work in life do you like so much that you can never get angry about doing it? Whatever that thing is, maybe, just maybe that's a thing that you should be focused on making happen as your job. Remember, a lot of times we talk about the difference between job and work. I know um, if you're not a avid listener to, to any of my, my podcasts or any of my work, you might not know that. But, you know, there is a clear difference between your work and your job. I'm not going to get into it on this podcast, but between your work and your job, there's a clear difference. All right. So what work and job both would you never get angry doing? If they call you at 1 a.m., you're going to wake up and you're never going to be angry about it. Right. Dr. Yurika said that he will never get angry about coming into the hospital to help a child. That's what he loves to do. That's what he loves to do. What is that for you? What do you love to do so much that you never get angry about? Look at me. I'm about to start preaching already. All right. Normally, I say this for the end of the podcast. Let me let me hold off. All right. I'll get back to the stuff at the end of the podcast. But I want you guys to listen to what he has to say. Listen to his story. Listen to his wisdom. Um, see what you can pull out of it that you can apply to your life because I, every one of these podcasts are something you can apply, right? So I already just told you the main thing that I can apply to my life, thinking what would I never get angry about waking up to do at night, right? That's where I need to spend my time. That's where I need to focus, right? And for me, there's, there, there are a few things, but I, I can I know exactly what mine is. You, you know, you have to figure out what is yours, what is yours, all right? Check out this episode, soak up as much of it as possible. Put it in your heart, put it in your mind, and grow from this episode, all right? Dr. Ike Onyedike. Check it out. Hello, this is Dr. E.K. Chuku Ifani Onyedike. I'm a pediatric orthopedic surgeon who currently resides in El Paso, Texas, where I practice. Um, Today's a fairly sad day. We had a horrific mass shooting in El Paso today. Um, I'll get more into that later on in this discussion. I just want to start from the beginning and tell you a little bit about about myself. I'm a first-generation Nigerian-American. That's me, my parents were both uh, immigrants from Nigeria, uh, from the Igbo tribe. Uh, they both came over to the United States to seek higher education. They actually met in the University of Pittsburgh, where my dad was pursuing his um, doctorate in psychology, and my mom was getting her bachelor's in um, communications. Uh, in Pittsburgh, they had my older brother and I. Uh, subsequently, when uh, they finished their studies, they first moved to New Jersey, to New Jersey, and then uh, shortly after to Staten Island, New York, where I was uh, raised. Uh, Staten Island is a interesting place. It'll always be my home. 
I guess, my heart, but uh, you guys already know much about Staten Island. Uh, it's a pretty interesting place, both racially, politically, so on and so forth. Um, growing up uh, was different. Um, you know, as a kid, you don't really think you're different until you're told you're different. Um, I remember, I guess, my first experience, I guess, really dealing with race from the time I can remember was, I think when I began kindergarten, uh, my parents moved to a mostly white neighborhood in pursuit, and their eyes of obtained the best school for me and my siblings. Um, so... We usually, I was a, while I was in elementary school, I was the only, usually the only black kid in the entire class. Um, didn't really bother me. Most of my friends were either white or Asian or Hispanic. Um, but they're very, now looking back on it, they're really subtle microaggressions that you start to notice when you're older. I remember, when we were to line up, we still have to hold hands, boy, boy and girl, boy and girl, and so forth. Um, I remember a lot of times some of the white girls they didn't want to hold hands with me because of my. They said because of my. They didn't want my skin to. I guess uh, I don't say taint is a strong word, but like little kids, uh, my skin would uh, rub off on theirs. Um, I. It bothered me, but, you know, as a kid, you don't really think much of it. Um, I said my name is E.K. Chuku, so not a very, you know, Anglo name. So everybody calls me Ike for short, but we get to, my full name was always on the board. And I used to get teased about that once again. At that time, as a kid, it kind of bothered me. But as I grew older, my name became pretty prideful for me. Um, in Igbo, my name means... Um, my first name means strength of God, and I'm actually glad my parents gave me such a strong name because kind of makes you drive for greatness and have high expectations for yourself, I guess. Uh, well, like I said, I had most of my schooling was in public school uh, in Staten Island. went to my regular zone high school. I played football in high school. As you know, like most Nigerians... Uh, school is a very important uh, part of our upbringing. Uh, you could not have bad grades and to be, uh, to be at least to be in top of your class. So I always, always strive to do well in school, um, which is obviously what led me to become a doctor with my parents pushing. So uh, I got my dad. That's actually as I say, my dad got introduced to this program. Um, called the Sophie Davis School of Biomedical Education, which my brother, my older brother Mecca, uh, first, uh, attended, attended, uh, sorry. Um, then I followed suit. Um, so basically at the time, the seven year med program, where you do your first five years of undergrad, um, at the City College of New York and, um, uh, 137th Street in Confident in Harlem. And then you do your last two years at the time um, at either NYU, uh, Downstate, New York Med, Stony Brook, um, 
Albany Med and Upstate. Uh, Upstate, I think they added on Dartmouth as well. I attended um, uh, Albany after Sophie Davis. Um, let me talk about Sophie Davis a little bit more because it's actually a very unique and pretty awesome program. Looking back on it, it's, uh, basically it's, uh, the goal of the program was to have um, more minority doctors um, practice primary care in New York City. Uh, you know, as I said, I'm a pediatric orthopedic surgeon, so I guess I failed the goal of the program, but <laughs> uh, it is what it is. Uh, so they focus on recruiting um, uh, mostly minority students from the city, as I said, to fill uh, spots in um, primary care in New York City. Um, so looking back on it, you know, so this was a extremely stressful and and academically challenging program. Um, I this probably is one of the best years of my life. Looking back on it, I made my essentially my core group of friends was made there, um, um, which we are basically all still extremely close friends today. Actually, we say we're more than friends. Actually, brothers. I believe that. Um, I guess when you go through. As a, it's a, I guess it's a, such a young age, a really challenging program. You you really develop strong friendships. Um, like we said, we probably would have made it through if we weren't such good friends and help each other and support each other. Um, actually, during Sophie Davis, my core group of friends, uh, which are all black males, uh, we actually started a program that's called the Black Male Initiative which is now, because of political terms, I guess, been changed to the Career Success Program. But I always know it's a Black Male Initiative, which was basically set up so um, we could have more black males uh, make it through the program. Um, at that time, a lot of the black males in the younger years were failing out due to... Uh, petty disagreements and lack of focus and basically overall lack of leadership and guidance. And we got tired of it. So in our last uh, year, Sophie Davis, we decided to create this group uh, to help, um, I said, black males succeed through the program and become doctors. And they choose, so choose going to primary care and fulfill the goal of the program. Um, we're at to this day. I'm, I, I, I'm shocked to to see how successful the program has the, uh, become. Most of this, most of the, most of the the hard work was done by uh, Mr. Urs, was was our mentor at the time, and he basically took it upon himself to basically uh, pioneer the program, and it's taken off. It's now I believe we're part of a national Black Male Initiative program, and getting sponsoring from the national program, which is awesome. I go back. I I go back every year or twice a year at least to speak to the kids and I say the kids, the young, the young men, and um, just let them know that they could do it, they could make it, believe in themselves, and uh, they, that they do have other black males in all fields that are here to help them and guide them, support them, which is, I guess, um, the goal of this program: uh, black men in white coats, because there are so few of us and. Um, I guess as a black man in a white coat, you notice that a lot of people don't notice that. So I do a pre surgery, which is probably, I think we're 1.5% black 
and which is ridiculous. So a lot of conferences you go to, you don't see any other black male or, or black women. Um, um, so it could be kind of lonely. You know, you kind of know what you're getting into when you go into orthopedics. Um, so when we do see another black ortho, it's kind of like we kind of we for the most part know a, a bulk of each other, so we're always trying to gravitate to each other and see how we're doing. But um, that's a real area we need to work on orthopedics. Um, I know I'm in the pediatric orthopedic uh, society of North America, and they're trying to have a push uh, towards more diversity. So the same thing as, as in the AAOS, the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons, trying to push for, for more diversity, uh, which I'm glad they're doing it finally, but they have a long way to go. Uh, hopefully I can somehow help out in that best way I can. Um, well, going back from, back to Sophie Davis, like I said, um, the Black Male Initiative Program is really successful. I'm very, very, very happy about that. I hope that like it, it keeps flourishing as it has now. So, like I said, uh, like so, pros and cons of Sophie Davis is is kind of a bubble. So you're basically surrounded by other like-minded, uh, black, Hispanic, and uh, Asian and other minorities uh, who, I guess, say for the most part, you fairly get get along well together. And then you get thrown into like whole real med school, uh, where it's some place some some places are more cut up than others, and it's a lot of kill or be kill. Um, so I try to tell the kids, I can't say the kids, the young men in the Black Bill Initiative that you're leaving a uh, little bubble to go to the real world where not everybody's your friend, say it nicely. Um, so you get to Albany. Um, I guess say Albany was not, was a pretty, a fairly good experience. It was my real first time living outside of New York City, me and my friends, most of us. So it was like a little culture shock. Like it's like a little stepping stone to get to real America, like I, I, I like to call it. Um, People in Albany were, in the med schoolers were, staff were fairly, in the most part, generally, most of them were friendly. You have a couple, you know, uh, outliers, like, like the rest of society that are, you know, aren't exactly fond of you, but say it nicely. Um, but I don't really have much to say badly about Albany men. I said a lot of good things. That's why I, developed, why I basically pursued my career in orthopedic surgery. Um, the residents and staff there, were, to me, were, were fairly great. Um, once you, they know you have a liking towards the ortho, and they kind of try to look out for you and um, get you involved uh, in research or working with all the, re- the residents as to clinical care and so on and so forth. Um, uh, so I was pretty happy there. Uh, fortunately, my, f- I didn't match my first time when I applied for orthopedic surgery. Um, and then did a prelim year and a research year at the University of, uh, Massachusetts at, um, Worcester, which is another good experience. I met a ton of wonderful doctors and, um, and residents and med students and, um, Got some fairly good research done there and had a lot of good experiences. And I basically think from the, the work I did there helped me match into um, the Wayne State with Peak Surgery Program in Detroit. Uh, we did my uh, five years of with Peak Surgery residency. 
Um, so like I said, like, it's like more stepping tones into like what I call like to call real America. So Detroit is a Midwest city. Now looking back on it is a f- fairly light Midwest city, very di- fairly diverse, had a large African-American population, large white population, a very interesting, well, probably let people know it now, a very large Muslim community. Um, I met, I mean, New York City have a, a good amount of Muslim friends too, but yeah, like I made a really good amount of um, Arabic and Muslim friends. I lived in Dearborn, so as, as a he- mostly majority Muslim community, which is awesome. Um, it's just awesome to learn more about Arabic and Muslim culture, the cuisine, which um, is delicious. Um, I actually missed that a lot, um, and the people are great. It's uh, unfortunate that most people in America. Look at the experience living in a mostly Muslim community. The people are so hospitable. Um, they don't push their, they don't push their values on you. If you're Muslim, you're Muslim. If you're Christian, you're Christian. Jewish, you're Jewish. Um, um, they're very friendly. Um, uh, also makes you look at different aspects of medicine. Like, um, uh, I didn't know at that time that Muslim women can't shake men's hands. So when I first was an intern, and I go into a Muslim, like for long time, I, I, I met a, a Muslim woman who, if she was to shake my hand, I was kind of taken aback. But she was like, trying to explain to me, not be honest, be rude. That just that's part of their culture. They don't shake hands. And I was like, okay, I learned something new today. So it was very interesting. Like I said, I got excellent training at Wayne State. I met some wonderful mentors there, which have really guided me through my career. And I also did part of my uh, training at the University of Michigan in Arbor. Uh, so I did my, did my peds orthopedic surgery, which I met most of my, 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 uh, two great mentors there. Um, Dr. Fran Farley, Dr. Uh, Michelle Caird. I, it's weird. I, I can't really see, but I'm a six foot six, 275 pound dude. Um, I guess when people tell me I'm fairly intimidating and fairly large. So it's, uh, people laughed at me when they figured, when they found out my third year, I plan on going into pediatric orthopedic surgery. Um, um, interesting story how I chose it is that I did as a second year, uh, resident. It was very, it was extremely hard rotation, different four months straight. You know, you're essentially just the, let's place the PC way, the scut monkey, and you're the low man totem pole on the service. Cause not, like, it's not an, a real intern on the service. So you're the intern. So you do a discharge summaries, all the notes, all the rounding, stay late, so on and so forth. Uh, but I loved it because I was working with kids. I didn't, I didn't know that time how to really enjoy working with kids, working with kids until I did that rotation. It, in your head, it's it's weird to say like you'll never, I, I'll never get angry coming into the hospital to help a child, no matter what time, day, anything. If it's for a child, I'm okay with it. Um, so the time in ortho, I was, I was between. Sports, Pete, and trauma. I, I sat down with my sports attending and they were talking. He's like, uh, you seem like Pete's a lot. I'm like, yeah. He's like, Pete, you do sports, trauma, everything, and you do it on kids. I'm like, yeah, I never thought about that. It's everything I liked in one specialty. So from that day on, I pursued it. Um, fortunately for me, I was able to match it. Uh, uh, Seattle Children's Hospital in Seattle, Washington, uh, in the University of Washington, um, health system. Uh, another eye opening and great experience, both socially and medically. Um, so we just say I'd never been in a city 
that didn't really have some a large a fairly large african-american population until i got to seattle and seattle is one of the few cities that's totally gentrified there's not a real african-american neighborhood or hispanic neighborhood so it's funny like most black guys like we don't really like when we first get somewhere first thing we do is look look for where to get a haircut first thing i do usually do is go to the hood where's the hood and so I was asking people like, is there, it really isn't a hood anymore. I'm like, what do you mean it's not a hood? They're like, no, it really isn't. So luckily for me, I was able to find a barbershop by the university, um, which had a fair amount of, um, black barbers who so cut my hair. <laughs> so like I said, Seattle's like, is a very gentrified city. It's mostly white and Asian. Uh, so the demographics of the people I work with totally changed from going to Arabic and African American and white to mostly white and Asian. And like, uh, more well to do, um, uh, white people, which was, uh, interesting in its own right at times. Uh, like I've, I've met, but, uh, but once again in Seattle, I've met, um, my more great mentors, uh, who continue to guide me through my career now. It was an excellent experience of, of educationally, um, the diversity of patients and, uh, Uh, diagnoses they presented with were, were extraordinary. Every day was a, n- a new experience. Um, you see, you see a lot of uh, cases that you only read about in journals or textbooks, and it's right in your clinic or in your OR. And it uh, really prepared me well for uh, being uh, attending. Um, so from Seattle, I before I started my current position in El Paso, I did some locums work at a small town in Olmec, Washington, in, in Western, I'm sorry, Eastern uh, Washington, which is a very rural uh, community. 90% white, conservative. It's another educational, uh, both uh, medically and, and uh, culturally. culturally. Um, I had called my rural medicine fellowship. I was like, I believe I was one of the, as a, well, I was like on, on staff or on call there. I was the only orthopedic surgeon with like a two or three mile radius. So I saw a wide diversity of cases. I even did a hip, uh, a hip revision case because I was the only one around that could help the patient. Um, I think about my peds ortho. I was doing adult reconstruction cases. It was, it was, it was pretty cool. And it reinforced me that I could actually really operate and do things on my own. So when you go, you come from an academic setting, like in Wayne State and, um, Seattle, you have residents, fellows, MPs, PAs, everybody around. When you're in these little small towns, you're, you're be all end all. I was at no help. I had a scrub tech and me. And it, it, it really helped me a lot. It showed me that it showed to me, it prepared me for my current job now. Where I'm I'm more of a hospital based doc. I don't really have a residents or fellows or MPs either. And it really prepared me for my current job now. Um, also, like, also, I learned a lot from the population there. They're like real legit farmers and and workers, and I never really experienced that. Um, you see in the streets, see people riding their horses. I'm not even joking. I see people riding their horses in the middle of the street. Um, it was a uh, it basically more of, like I said, my journey through America. It's a real America. Uh, like I said, and then from there, I went to El Paso, which I currently practice now. I'm in a multi-specialty group. I'm the only pediatric ortho in my group. I take both uh, pediatric and adult uh, ortho call. Uh, 
it's really good practice. I'm getting busier picking up. Um, is good. Um, but once again, I'm really I'm the only African American person in my uh, also only African American doctor in my practice, and probably one of I think I'm the only African American employee in my practice. It's mostly Hispanic, El Paso, as you know. Um, uh, it's probably ninety percent Hispanic. Um, uh, which is, I love the community down here. They're very, they're very, cause it's so, it's a, for a very large city, it's very unfortunately underserved and very, very few subspecialists in this town. So they're very grateful, especially the moms and dads, uh, who, you know, I tell you, whose kids I take care of are very grateful that I'm here. Um, um, uh, and it makes you feel appreciated. Um, I said, um, I love my job. I, I love, I love doing ortho, but I'm doing ortho on, Children is um to me special and and I don't regret my decision. Uh, like I said, like I said, unfortunately today, like you know, El Paso, if most people don't know, is this probably I think is the safest big city in America. Um, on me until today when this uh, horrific mass shooting happened. Um, but that's more political topic where we have. To me, a gun problem and uh, white supremacist domestic terrorism problem which needs to be addressed, which is not being addressed. And unfortunately, I believe more of these shootings will happen if we don't do something about it, which is a policy change. Thoughts and prayers are great. Thoughts and prayers don't really change things without action. Um, yeah, so now that affected my community, hit a lot closer to home, which is uh, really sad. Um, she was in the hospital when I heard. The shooting happened, so I, I rushed the. I believe we had one of uh, the victims come to the ER. I rushed down to the ER to see if I could help. Then I ran to the OR to tell the trauma center and called that I'm available. I'll be around the hospital if they need any backup. Uh, one of my, I should tell you one of my partners is on call for a primary ortho backup, ortho call. Um, yeah. Well, I go on and on. Uh, essentially, that's my life in a nutshell. Once again, um, Ike Chukwu is flying on Yenika, and I'm a black man in a white coat. Absolutely amazing episode, Dr. Oyerka. Thank you so very much for joining us on Black Men in White Coats. Now, to my listeners, when we started this episode, I told you, as he's talking, just think it through. What can you drain out of it? What can you take out of this episode? And I hope that after you guys heard him say it, I hope you, you thought more about what that thing is that you would never get angry about, okay? What is that one thing, that one um, thing that's really probably part of your life's work, but you can find a way to make it part of your job as well that you will never get angry about doing. Think about that. what that one thing is. Write it down. Really spend some time trying to identify what that thing is. Um, the other, a, f- a few key points, okay, that I got from listening to this. One thing is, that, so I relate to him a lot because I'm Nigerian-American. My last name is Okoro Dudu, so you can imagine the teasing that I would get when I was young. And here's a little tip for that and something that I tell my wife because my wife, um, you know, she she's black American, grew up outside of St. Louis area. So she didn't experience the same like teasing and last name things that people like myself and Dr. Yerika might have experienced. OK, and you get it from everybody. Right. You get it from black people, white people, Asian. Right. When you're talking about names, you can, anybody can get it from any angle if you got a funny sounding name. OK. Um, but here's one thing I always tell people and I tell my wife that we have to make sure our kids know this. When your situation like that, first of all, you need to be teach pride in your name, teach pride in that. Because my oldest son, he's eight years old. He already he's already starting to to come home and tell me things like he doesn't like when the teacher says his name because the kids laugh and blah blah blah. 
right? Stuff. And I know what he's talking about because I went through all of that and I still go through it. When you get around some adults, they'll still laugh at that nonsense, right? But, you know, first of all, you got to teach the pride thing about what the name means and the power and the strength behind that name, okay? So we focus on teaching that. But the next thing I always tell them is, you know, I tell my wife this more specifically is, you know, you got to figure out what it is that that individual is really good at. You got to master it because when you're really, really good at something, people's level of respect increases from, for you. And when you respect that, people don't laugh so much anymore. That's just the way it is for me. I, I, I got really good at basketball growing up. OK, and from playing so much basketball after a while, I got to the point where just nobody left because everybody just knew, hey, that, you know, he's really good at that one particular thing. I don't know if it has to do with it being a sport or what, but after a while, the laughter will stop. And um. You know, that's just a little sidetrack tip, okay? But I relate to Dr. Onyedika in, in that fashion that I imagine he and I went through a lot of similar things. Now, the other main message, which I think is very important for for youth to get is, you hear this underlying theme throughout his entire podcast journey. And that theme is this idea of, of gaining strength from unity, getting, gaining strength from community. He talks about how there's few black orthopedic surgeons, so... They all kind of know each other and they check in on each other, right? That strength and community. At one point, he talks about how it was really good. He said he had really good friends, I think from Sophie Davis. He said really good friends, but then he corrected himself and says, actually, we're like brothers. There it goes again. He's talking about that sense of community, that strength, okay? And then um, another time, he mentioned, um, you know, just, just this whole idea of across the whole medical community, people coming together and trying to do stuff to support this idea of increasing diversity in the field of medicine right there's just this overall underlying theme of community 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 gives you strength and helps you make it the african proverb says if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together i'm gonna say it again to make sure you got it if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together and that's the point that dr yedek is making here is hey we're trying to go far in this thing so community 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 and that's what he that's one of the things that he was kind of harping on for for his theme throughout this whole podcast another thing which i mean he said a lot of stuff so uh, you know i I, wrote, I I take notes when i listen to these podcasts so i can learn for myself okay another thing that he said was when you're young you don't think you're different until you're told you're different how fascinating is that you don't think you're different until you're told you're different there's a lot of stuff you can you can get out of that i'm not gonna really get into it. i just want you guys to think about that yourself just just Meditate on that line. You don't think you're different until you're told you're different. That's powerful, man. That's fascinating. Think about what that does to a child's psyche. Think about what that does to a child's confidence level. Right? Usually when you're young and you're told you're different, it's not a good thing usually, okay? So just think about what that means, right? Think about what that means. And the last thing I'll say, which I found found interesting was this whole idea, if he mentioned when he was young, some of the kids didn't want to touch him because they were scared that his skin, his dark skin, would rub off on their skin, you know, their lighter skin. And, you know, these are things that we just need to educate our our kids about, our youth about, and ourselves about. I know when, I know for me, my kid's been through something similar to that where he had to try to come to understanding in terms of what another child was saying pertaining to him. Um, so these are just things that we need to think about, things that we need to make sure we're prepared to answer for our children and and things that in general in society we need to have answers and responses for to try to help educate society at large in general. All right. But wonderful podcast. I could sit here and talk forever about all the things he said, but I'm going to end on that one, one solid, solid quote that he said that I'm loving right now. 
he could never get angry coming to the hospital to help a child. So I'm going to end on this. What is that thing that you could never get angry about doing? Thanks for listening, family. Love you guys. Please make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends. Share it. Have a phenomenal week. Yeah, yeah.